Thanks, Spartan Dog. Now, oh, he's not here. Um, oh, oh no. Um, welcome back to Bacon Wire. This is Lucas. Uh, Lucas Whitney back as steering the ship until our our good boy comes back um, from his sabbatical. Um, with me, I have triples. I have triples the host tonight. Um, I have as joining me once again is Carter, and I have Matt. Uh, Maddie Matt on Twitter and Carter Landis three on Twitter. Uh, joining me. Thanks for joining me, fellas. What's popping? How's it going? So glad that deal just went through. Now I have triples of all the yeah. cars. Uh, you know that, that's the safest triple. Triple the hosts of this are the safest. So we're we got a pretty loaded docket tonight. So we'll get right into it. Um, first things first, fellas. We're not three star you anymore. We're four star you. We got a. We've evolved. <laughs> we got a. I think he's going to be great. And he's, if you, you know the name, if you, if you know football, you know the name, Antonio Gates Jr. out of Dearborn, Michigan, Fordson High School. He's part of the 2022 recruiting class. He is a .8994 composite on 247.91 um, and another rating. Um, 6'1", 185 wide receiver. Looks, uh, of course, kids look just like their parents, but he looks just like his dad. It's, it's unreal. Um, his, his hard offers were Michigan State, Arkansas, Buffalo, CMU, and Cincinnati. So take that as you may. I mean, he has an SEC offer in there, and he has Cincinnati, which I don't really frown upon anymore. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on this? Like, Carter, you, you're about to say something. Yeah, his final five had, like, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, and it, somebody else. Yeah, They posted it on his Instagram the other day. Um, so, yeah, we beat out a, a, a couple – big time SEC schools. And we know that Kentucky likes to come into Detroit and steal kids a lot too. Um, yeah, this is a big time. This is a big time recruit. I mean, this is obviously for, um, you know, we needed some receivers because a couple of our guys are getting uh, a little older and they're going to leave pretty soon. So adding a guy like Antonio Gates, like it really makes you, it gets you excited about what it's going to be going forward with Coleman's going to be there. Antonio Gates, they're be throwing a Kate and Hauser. So, and the truth is I haven't actually like seen Antonio Gates Jr. at all, but you know the name. So yeah, it's exciting to get a legacy kid like that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I was excited by it because I think it caught us all off guard, right? Because I didn't think, you know, there wasn't an announcement of his recruitment or anything like that. We just thought, oh, he, he put us on his final five and he has to make a decision <laughs> soon. But Right. <clears throat> um, I'm still pretty shocked from it i mean i'm not floored shocked but i'm more surprised um this is usually something that i feel like msu i'm i'm so used to msu not winning (laughs) this type of commitment that i'm like oh the four star actually went through and i think it's really big i mean to, to um be honest you know antonio gates wasn't really at msu for super long but for, for me, what I really enjoy about it is that it's a lot of, uh, it provides that recruiting momentum and it's that kind of breaking the seal of, of opening up kind of more four-star recruitment. So that yep. where you kind of saw the ceiling of Michigan State football recruiting being in like 2018, 2019, 2020 kind of um, hitting that like ceiling of the four-star. And now to see Mel Tucker actually have because we always knew there was more excitement and more momentum building with the program, but to actually see it progress like that to where it's like, okay, now we have 
these recruits that we're really targeting that are some big names that can actually, that we're not saying no one else can, but saying that this is big for when you're trying to attract the next guy, you know, and trying to build further and further. So mm-hmm. I, I really, uh, I like that aspect because, you know, they're, they're still targeting some real, real, uh, real talented guys uh, for 2022. So I'm, I like that we're all, we're hitting, we're, we're hitting on some of them. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it's exciting. It's, and like I said, I'm just, I'm not used to like winning that, but yeah, go ahead, Carter. Also, I was going to say we got a shout or not really a shout out, but it was a report from uh, my sports update. You know, that guy who uh, he's decently, he's decently popular on Twitter. He's got a ton of followers. He's, he's actually kind of looked at as like a real source. He actually, and he doesn't. Mayrov? Yeah. Okay. And he usually doesn't, and he usually doesn't tweet about things like college football and stuff like that. But obviously, you know, this being Antonio Gates's son, it gets major headlines. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's, and it's going to get out there to, to big, big accounts and big things like that. So to kind of go off of what Matt said, it does get, you know, it does get you that net more national attention. Like Michigan state's a national brand, I think. And, and Mel Tucker has kind of uh, repeatedly said, you know, they're a big brand, it's a big school. Um, it's it's a big football program, but th- this could put you up there. I don't want to I don't want to like jump the gun or anything. This could put you up there like as a recruiting powerhouse eventually. Like we're already getting a bunch of guys. Like this was a big time thing, and and uh, Chase Carter, who we got last week, um, he has said they're he said they're not done. So he's probably talked to some recruits, and he knows about their decisions. So I think that it's a I think. Yeah, this is a huge uh, jump for Michigan State recruiting than what Mel Tucker wants to do. Like, this really kind of kicks that into gear even more than it already was, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think the first thing I thought of, especially when Simba said that they weren't done, um, mm-hmm. it, it made me think of – I'm not comparing it to because we don't know how he's going to turn out, but when um, Will Golston committed back in mm-hmm. 2009, that was like the first of like – the premier talent to come to D'Antonio like that was a huge deal. And he was out of, I think he was out of Detroit. Um, am I Clarkston? I think maybe Um, I'm sure I'm wrong, but he was from that area. And so that, you know, that had been an area that Michigan had just had a stranglehold on for years. And that sort of opened the floodgates, you know, like Lawrence Thomas or that's Lawrence Thomas. Yeah. Lawrence Thomas. Thomas. Why am I, I kept seeing Lawrence Taylor the other day to myself. Um, Yeah. (laughs) LT team and you know we got like you know just kind of paved the way so if Mel Tucker can pull this off in his first full year which he has called year two um yeah man that's making me feel really good (laughs) and all we need to do is just see it produced on the field I mean if he's pulling in I think we'd all be okay with what a top 25 class yeah I'll take that all day absolutely I it just it, it keeps enticing me to dump money on the over of over four and a half. Which and I, I keep, did. I get, I get so close every, every time I'm at the bar and I am drinking Don't tell me a weird amount of money on it. on it. <laughs> and then being like, Oh great. I'm going to have the worst like <laughs> month of football where I'm just freaking out. But, uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. And I, I think you're, you know, in the, in the world of realism, being excited about recruits is one thing, but having it translate on the field is the other thing. And I'm hoping that 
the kind of walking the walk that's going on with recruiting that we're seeing is the same level of translation that goes through from uh, Mel Tucker talking how recruiting is going to improve. And we now see it improving to then him also talking about how the, how the actual football is going to improve and seeing that happen this season, which we've all talked about it a ton, uh, but I'm pretty hyped up on it. But a lot of it just has to do with not seeing our live football game in 19 months or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the Arizona state game was my last <sighs> one. Uh, my, no, I had to get that taste out of my mouth. I, that was the game I Cassie wanted to go with me to, and I thought it was going to be a win. And boy, that she, it should have been. Well, oh, yeah, for every reason. And uh, when we were when we were driving home, she's like, You know, if you want to go to these by yourself with a friend, I'm totally okay with that. (laughs) Okay, uh, my uh, my dad and I went to the game, and we we uh, he has his medical cart, so we both took a very highly potent brownies and uh that that made the game a lot a lot easier because uh, it was like oh my god well i could well, we lost <laughs> at least let's go home I, my yeah. last game was the indiana game that year uh the the next two weeks later the one they almost lost yeah the one where like lewerke pretty much won the game for him like he had he had that scramble and then they I think they were trying to kneel it or something, but they end up scoring. And then, you know, they got that fumble at the end to get to make it to, to, to cover. It's like 40 to 31 or something. You know, that was, that was a very tense game. That was the first game uh, Penix played. And he completed like 21 straight passes or something. That was, I, I feel like after the ASU games, you can always, you know, you always have those like disappointing losses that kind of bum you out. And that, that was one where I was really kind of, bummed and pissed about yeah but the indiana game was like the start of where i was like uh-oh this is a trend and these are games we used to win okay and now you know like, be- that, the game for me was illinois that was my nail in the coffin moment um is that after indiana oh, oh yeah yeah scrambled yeah because they were four and one and then they lost five in a row to get to four and six um, and then they closed out with Rutgers and Maryland. So luckily they got, you know, they won the bowl, um, you know, the program hat, program win hats and all that. Oh, program wins are my but, favorite type of wins. I would kill for that hat. That's my, the I Illinois, want that hat so bad. The Illinois game, I don't show much emotion with MSU football unless I'm there, but like I was down here screaming. Like when they blew the lead, I was screaming like, you have to go. It's time. Time to go. <laughs> I was done. Like I love him to death, but my God, I was done after that game. I'm like, holy shit! Your own Lovey Smith, your own two against Herm Edwards, dudes who burned out in the NFL and might burn out in college. Herm Edwards for other reasons, but anyway, um, yeah, we'd go on that forever. But um, looking at Antonio Gates Wikipedia, I totally forgot that he uh, was at MSU, and Nick Saban didn't want him to play basketball, so he said, "Screw that! I'm transferring." <sighs> way to go nick <laughs> go to hell asshole bitch um sorry go ahead carter well i was just gonna say one one thing on that illinois game i will <laughs> i will go back to it because that's no, fine <laughs> i was doing some <laughs> i was doing some uh, broadcasting through the journalism program we we're up on the photo deck in in, in early november and it's freezing cold standing out in the you know, out in that cold weather in Spartan Stadium, and I was, and we're, and I was broadcasting the game right, so I wasn't really like watching as a fan. I was watching more as like a, 
as as a broadcaster would. And I, and it was an exhilarating game watching Illinois pull off that comeback. And then like I'm like, all right, what a game! All right, got to go back to my dorm room and everything. Packed up all you know all my stuff, changed my clothes, took a shower, got real you know warm again. And then and then I just sat there. I was like, wait, did we just do that? And I was like, oh geez, that's bad. All right, yeah, just I, I thought that was fun. There, there could be a whole season of episodes just about that season. I feel like you could just we could do so, a weekly recap, like, of like just just recorded therapy sessions talking about being an MSU fan from 2018 to 2020. It's just like, yeah, um, and then, and then that's when it broke me. And then you're like, but then it did it a week later. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was uh, reflecting on the D'Antonio in the worst way. But um, welcome, Antonio Gates. Can't wait. Um, Speaking of more football, Mel, Mel Tucker talked at Big Ten Media Days. I think it was – was that Friday? Was it Thursday? I mean oh, Thursday. Late last week. Yeah, Thursday, Friday. Um, he had a lot to say. He, I'm, I'm reading Dr. Sparty's uh, – or Dr. Green and White, Paul Fanson's article on the Only Colors. Um, he used a lot of words like – he did, attention detail, culture – Okay, process, accountability, toughness, competition, consistency, which I like, but it's a lot of the things Antonio said too. But I mean, uh, what do you guys before I go into my little diatribe? What do you, you, Carter? Like, what are your thoughts on what he said throughout the day? Honestly, I agree with Matt Sheenian because I was listening to Locked On today, and they talked about how media days are kind of pointless and they're kind of a waste of time just because it's. You hear, you hear all 14 coaches give you nothing but, like, coach speak. Like, our practices are going well, and we're going to have a great season. And, and as you said, just just regular Mel Tucker buzzwords like like gaining ground and, and accountability, culture, and all that stuff. And I, and that's kind of what I expected, you know, and, and, and nothing was really, like, any new developments. Like, we know that the the quarterback battle is wide open and, and that whole thing. So I – so I guess I can't say I paid close attention because I didn't really expect anything like monumental to come about. Right. Um, but I mean, but the thing is with Mel Tucker and like how much of like a heel turn it was from D'Antonio last, the last couple mm-hmm. years to like how Mel Tucker's like breathed the new life into the football program. It's always fun to listen to him talk. Like he's yeah, not the greatest like public speaker and that's okay. Um, he gives really good uh, pregame speeches and stuff like that. Like he's more of like, a, he's not like a guy who, who's going to get up in front of, of, uh, of like a crowd and give like a great speech, but he'll fire up your guys. You know what yeah. I mean? But so it's like, it's always fun to listen to what he's got to say. Cause, cause I, I'm over the top excited about what he's doing with the program and, and where we're going. So, you know, it's always good to listen to him talk. That's kind of what I took. He and also the players uh, when we heard Drew Beasley and uh, Henderson and um, Naylor, they were really good representatives for for Michigan State. I think they all gave really good quotes and all that. And it was and it was good to hear stuff about like Quaveras Crouch is really competitive uh, in practices, and he's like the most competitive defensive player and that whole thing. So I mean, like Sheehan said, it's kind of just run of the mill media days coach speak type of thing, but. Yeah, with the way Michigan State's doing things now compared to how it used to be, like you know, D'Antonio was 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 very uh, reserved with the media. He wasn't very open, uh, but Mel Tucker is is open and, and public with how he's doing things with the program. So it's exciting. So that's kind of my whole spiel of nothing. Yeah, 
Matt, what what did you have a chance to look at it or? Oh yeah, well I was say I watched it. Um, okay. Don't tell work, but uh, I watched it, and he can't public speak to like <laughs> save his life. And I I always thought it was that he was nervous uh, when he was doing the uh, like first welcome press conference. But then hearing him talk, it was really funny to see. And I think a couple articles mentioned it. Um, again, don't tell work, but uh, a couple articles I was reading earlier this week uh, or last week um, mentioned it is that when he got into like actual questions um, he like turned into a different person, which I thought was really funny. Um, and you could see it because he went from giving these really like canned speeches. And I know from, from folks I've talked to is that he was looking um, part of their hiring process was that they were looking at like PR firms to like pick him up um, and like help him with uh, like public speeches and like talking to the press and stuff like that. And he, um, he, <laughs> um, he is not great at it. He hasn't, hasn't really picked it up as much, but when he got into like questions and talking about how you can probably see him talking to the players or talking to the coaches, he kind of turned into a, some, a much more confident guy. And like Carter was saying is that compared to D'Antonio where you felt like you're like, Oh my God, we're riding this ride again. We're doing it again because we're, you know, by, by 2019, we were all like, oh, crap, this is just repeating now. This is the same, you know, he's not changing coaches, there's no changes, and we're just doing it again. To at least have someone who is breathing energy, who is trying, and who is focused on it, it feels like there's there's more life in the program. And, you know, the way I kind of say it is that, you know, MSU might still be at the bottom of the pool, but we're at least pushing off of it versus like slowly just drowning in it, which I will, I will take 99 times out of a hundred is that um, he, you know, it, it, so it was nice to hear that. It was nice to hear the guys be a lot more um, bought in and not saying they weren't before, but they, they seem to really have, um, it seems, it just seems like it's, it's a lot uh, more player led this time around. And Honestly, my opinion of Mel Tucker is still supportive, supportive until I see otherwise, because to be honest, last year, as much as the victories we had were awesome, you know, I, I don't count it as much as I do a full season because a full season really shows, you know, it's, it's a way more games, eh? And, you know, it's a lot, we have preparation this time. So we can actually see this year what a Mel Tucker team looks like versus last year where we really just saw someone basically Mel Tucker was an interim coach um, last year for an interim season for not really there being a season. And this year he's having an actual season, which I'm super stoked for. It's the, uh, yeah. You, you finally get to see the cook in the kitchen as opposed to like coming in right before close. And it's like, you have to throw that shit together to make a uh, carrot or to make a uh, fruitcake or something. Like you, (laughs) you can see him at his best. And um, I like that he said it's year two because, you know, we've, <laughs> we've been saying for a year, it's year zero. You know, some people are like it's year one, but he's saying year two. I think you have to, because he's a guy that holds himself accountable. So if this year goes bad, it's like, this is my second year. You know, there's no excuses as opposed to him going, it would look bad to certain fan bases. If he went, well, it is my first full year. So you got to cut me some slack. You know, he's not going to yeah. do um, 
I am cu- the one thing, and this is what Matt and talked about on lockdown, and Will did more so. Will than Matt, <sighs> Coach Tucker, uh, if you're listening to this somehow, uh, thank you. But um, I love <laughs> I love you very much, and I'm so freaking happy you're here. But is it really your dream job? <laughs> well, is it, is it really like I, I'm not mad, but I was like, you sure about that? Yeah, like, he he definitely sound, kept dropping a lot of like, I am here to stay. And I, I had a feeling that he was probably getting negative recruited out of that. Yeah. Being that you think about oh, how many Colorado fans are still butthurt about it and saying <laughs> that he's going to leave. They and, well, they are. They're still out there tweeting about it. <laughs> like, and, we're better off. But it's like, well, if you're better off, then shut the hell up. Yes. Get out of here. I, I got into a long like rabbit hole of looking up top 10 wins Colorado last had not this <laughs> decade, but I, cause I wanted to talk to a guy who was like giving us crap for uh, Mel Tucker only getting two wins. And I was like, they're both top like 15 wins, like yeah, whatever <laughs> was 13 like, and Northwestern was, I think 11 or 10. They were, they were eight. eight. Yeah, they were eight. Yeah, they're number eight. Yeah. So I looked up the most recent time Colorado got them. It was a while ago. Probably um, when I was like 10 years old or something. It was one was like t- 2007 and one was like 2003. But I, um, and that's not the top of my head. I, I looked it up like months ago when I was just angry. But, it's a quick um, Google search. It's just like Colorado top 10 wins. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it was me going through like the, the fan. I wanted like a lot of stats to throw at him. And then I got tired and just didn't do it. But, um, I mean, no, I, I think so. I have a question, I guess, not to derail too much. No, go, go, ahead, go ahead. But a question that, I, or kind of a thing I was, I was talking with uh, my friends who really glazed over when I started going on about it, but um, <laughs> was that if Mel Tucker leaves Michigan State, and the idea that we've all said is that if he leaves, it's because he did something really well here, hmm. and then he would take a Georgia or an Alabama oh, or yeah. Florida um, State. Or, or one of those. Yeah. Florida state. I really think that if we're going to theorize that or play that, play that game out, I don't think he would go unless it was a job. I think the closest that he would go to, and if anyone wants to call me out on it, that's fine. It's Florida state. Yeah. Only because I don't think Georgia would get rid of Kirby smart out of like, Uh. but would they use Mel Tucker's resume of getting Michigan state to a big 10 championship as a reason to get them over the playoff hump? Right. And I think they're looking for a different type of coach at say in Alabama is looking to keep a level of national. I, I don't think, and this, maybe this is me kind of shitting on MSU a little bit, but I don't think building back MSU to a big 10 contender is going to be enough of a resume to take one of like a Clemson or that, but it could do that for Florida state being the state yeah. that it's in, but the other programs are, are too much of a machine that I think they would go internal, but that, that's what I was thinking. It was like, I, I couldn't see him taking over a Bama unless he is having MSU in the, in the hunt if, for a CFP constantly. If, like we'll if, be we're in Ohio state. 10, if we're winning 10 games consistently in, in like year three, four five with Mel Tucker, he's not, he is not long for this, for this city. He is not no. long for the state. He will like Mike Norvell. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna bomb at Florida State. If I'm honest, like the way last year went for him, and I get he had COVID and everything, and that's not his fault. It just seemed like he 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 was like an asshole to those guys. And um, I think 
Clemson is Brent Venable's job if he wants it. I'm I might be in the minority on that one, but I think there's a reason he hasn't taken a head coaching job. Absolutely. And I think Alabama would only be, man, I think Dabo. I think that's the only place Dabo would leave Clemson for. Because if your alma mater calls you and said to come home, I think Dabo would do it. Even though he says he wouldn't, he would. Um, but Michigan State would have to get back to 9-3, and three, probably 10-2 and two regularly to be in the playoff hunt. Because I think we'll talk about the Super Conference in a minute, or the Super Conferences that are happening I think if you get to 10 and two in what, three, four years, you're a playoff contender. Yeah. Especially say the big 10 adds a couple of blue bloods. You're, you're a playoff contender. If you go 10 and two in the, in the new big 10. I, so if he's, I guess, getting, if he's getting them there, he will be gone within five, six years. I, I guess I'm saying is that a 10 and two consistent 10 and two Michigan state team is it's pretty hard to take a step up from that. And maybe that's, that's yeah. tooting the horn a bit, but it's one of those where if you're, you're a like peak D'Antonio years, where else was he going to go that you'd have to re- start rebuilding over and over again. But the only place he probably would have gone is South Carolina, but I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if he would have. I think for his age, no, but Mel Tucker is, is young enough that he's going to go somewhere Look, else. I, I was neighbors with Mel Tucker. Trust me. He's a bad coach. Yeah, <laughs> all time, all things. time tweet. <laughs> I just had to bring that up. Um, Awful. I mean, it could be his dream job. Like, it would be awesome if he got them to 10, 11 wins every year, and it's like twenty years later he retires. Like, holy shit! That means more than likely he. Uh, I'm not gonna say win a national title, but like, probably gets us to some promised land. Like we, like with D'Antonio, that thirty-six and five run. I would kill for that again. I would trade the last three seasons for another 36 and five run. Yeah. I would trade the last four seasons for a 36 and five run. Um, I mean, I, you know, I guess maybe I'll, I'll take this cause I feel like I've been saying two different opinions, but I think that the thing with it is that it is not his dream job right now, yeah. but it could be. And if he builds it, I mean, how many times do you want to keep rebuilding programs? <laughs> if, yeah. I mean, unless you get paid a, you know, an ass ton, but he's already paid a pretty decent amount, isn't he? And he's got a 5.5 million or something. Yeah. And his buyout's pretty big too. So I think it's going to come down to timing of where he's at and whether MSU wants to, if he, if he's down and we suck and MSU wants to part. Yeah. When his contract runs up. If, if the SEC becomes what we think it will be or know it will be in three years, um, and Georgia gets realigned to where they aren't in the same division as Alabama. Or wait, are they even? Or no? Shit, I don't know. No, that's right. Okay, never mind. Um, so say, say Georgia's close, but Kirby Smart just isn't getting it done. Um, then I think they would make the call to Mel Tucker if he's showing that he's kicking ass up here. Yeah, but that's all I see. Um. So, yeah, um, like Carter, what are your thoughts? I'm going to put myself on mute for a minute. No, I, I, I definitely agree. Like I especially agree with that point about um, Alabama. Like they're, they're going to try to maintain a, a, a championship level once Saban is done. Um, but definitely I think that a 
Georgia, if they decide to move on from Kirby Smart a couple years down the line, I think that it's a really real possibility that Mel Tucker's a real candidate if he's built Michigan State into something. And I was thinking, like, what would our fan base's response be to that? Like, if he leaves in a couple years to take a, another job? Would we treat him like Colorado fans? I don't think so. Would there be some fans who do? Probably. I would. Personally, I would be like, thanks for digging Michigan State out of a, an insurmountable hole. <laughs> Appreciate all you did and, and, and wish you the best of luck. That would be me. I'm just saying. But uh, it would be great if he could pull us from the depths of where we were with the latter years of D'Antonio because that was just – it was hard to watch Michigan State football at that time. Um, and, and now it's fun again. Obviously, last year was a weird year, but this year we have high expectations, I think. We have high hopes, a lot of optimism. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to go back to the, the media day thing that, uh, that, that Matt said about how it was really player-led. And I think that just speaks to, like, the, the – the, culture that he's starting to build we're really big fans of it I mean I mean like the players are are, are having fun like we always know Michigan State's a family and, and the alums are always talking to recruits saying hey come here and all that type of stuff and now but now we have we have recruits are telling other recruits hey come to Michigan State this is this is the place to be like I've seen like after guys would commit like Simba was doing it too he did it to Alex Van Summeren and Ryan Bear two guys who we could have a couple more four stars in this class if we get lucky. Um, personally, I think we'll land Bear, and I'm not sure about Van Summerun. Um, but but I think that, like, every every recruit you hear come here on a visit, they talk about how much they enjoyed the campus, how much they enjoyed, you know, hanging out with Mel Tucker, um, seeing, listening to his vision, all the recruits are saying he's building something special, whether they commit to Michigan state or not, they acknowledge it. So it's, it's just, obviously he's doing something right. And if that leads to, uh, if that leads to more wins on the football field, which we think it will, then it's very possible that he becomes a hot name on the coaching market for some bigger teams, like a Georgia, like a Georgia or a Florida state. Yeah. Like one of those types of schools could definitely uh, at least garner his attention. I think, at that point is when you would see Mel Tucker kind of cash in or not on the idea that Michigan state is his dream school. Would he stay there? If, would he stay at Michigan state if Georgia offered, if it was me, probably not. The thing about Michigan state though, is he is making a lot of money here. It just depends on what you want to do with your, your coaching uh, resume. Cause he's already one of the highest paid coaches in college football, I think. So you know, how much more money are you going to make somewhere else? You know, cause like if he's making 5.5 million here, that's, that's, I, I think you're comfortable. And if you really like Michigan state, then you're going to stay, but Georgia is an attractive spot. You know, that's a team that's perennially either in the playoff or they're in new year's six, right around that area. You know, they're, they're always top of the sec. They've been to a couple sec championship games. They're one of those teams that is, is always, hovering around what maybe one of the five, 10 best teams around that range. So it would be tough to say, no, I think it would test if he really uh, had Michigan state as his top school, but Mel Tucker I, is the 14th highest paid coach in America. Is Kirby smart on there? 
I got to disable my ad blocker. I'm pretty sure he's top six. <laughs> he's number probably, six. Yeah. Probably. He probably makes a whole lot of money. Shoot all of them. I'll look it up, but yeah. Um, yeah, he's number six at six point about one and a half million dollars more. Yeah, six point eight million. So Georgia would easily cut a check. Yeah, like they if they came to Mel Tucker. Okay, so Saban makes nine point one. Yeah, he's, he's just on said, like a ridiculous contract though. If they came to Mel Tucker and said, "Screw it, we'll give you eight point eight million a year." Wow. <laughs> He'd have to really, yeah, no, he'd be like U-Haul the next day. <laughs> we, right. We'd have to be where you said like perennially like 10 wins. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, you know, a big 10 championship appearance, <laughs> uh, New Year's Day six. It would have yeah. to be that like in like year four or five for, I think, that to happen. Yeah. Could that happen? It Shoot, who am I to say it could? No, I, this coaching tenure is going to go one of two ways. Like he's, he really is what he was at Colorado. Like he's going to win five games max a year, which I'd be astonished if that happened, or he's going to just take off like a shooting star and become like a, it become a, a power, a major power school coach like Georgia or Alabama. He'll be in the sec eventually. I think um, just a matter of where, I mean, LSU could call him. You never know. I was just thinking, yeah, I was going to say, cause they've got issues with Ed coach L right now. He's look, he, I Couple mean, things going on there. Let's let's be honest. I like Ed Orgeron as a co- as a person. Yeah, he's really cool. But as a coach, he is very underwhelming, and he's not worth eight point seven million dollars. He he needs to thank Joe Burrow every damn day for what Joe he Burrow, did. Joe Brady. Yeah, like Joe Burrow had like the greatest season I've ever seen out of a college football player in my life. And if it weren't for him, Ed Orgeron probably would have gotten fired that year. But definitely. So LSU could make a pull for him, but who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I did. I, I like what Tucker said, but like, yeah, that that raised an eyebrow when he said the whole dream job thing. I'm not trying to be negative, but at the same time, you got to be realistic. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it ahead. could be a dream job in that the athletic department is giving him a lot of. Yeah, resources and kind of the hey, we need to get this thing back. Do what you need to do, kind right. of things like we with well, all the increase. Well, remember, budget. we were always pissed at MSU's athletic department when D'Antonio supposedly couldn't spend money to hire top assistants, and then as soon as Mel Tucker came, oh my God, there's like five to ten million sitting here. Yeah, that wasn't used. Gee. I wonder why now it all, it all like, like uh, on true detective all just came full, you know, the times a flat circle, it just all came together. But um, you know, I think he has carte blanche to a certain extent of what he can do, but I mean, it was just time to get MSU in the modern era. And if he helps usher us in there and can sustain it with someone else taking over, like if Jay Johnson, I don't want him to, but like if he if he proves himself, or like you know if Scotty Hazelton proves himself, um, or someone else, you know maybe we, maybe Nick Saban feels like coming home. You know you never know. <laughs> he's he's, he's never not, give up. Never, I'm never giving up. Um, but yeah, we just want to touch on the MSU football. Everything's looking good, and the the whole thing about uh, Russo and Thorne being a competition that that's exciting and i like it a lot because 
like Carter, you and I talked about last week, we, you know, you could see from the spring game that you could see where people would like Thorne. You could see where people would like Russo because they both did good and bad plays. And if it's an open, if it's, if it's like every day it's changing, I like it because it's going to make them both better. Because I think too, other their styles are too, is that they're yeah. kind of, a, it's almost like a Connor Cook versus Brian Lewerke scenario. Not, not exact comparisons, but one's right. a scrambler that can throw and the other one is just a point and shoot. Yeah. You miss him yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. I've had two viral tweets now. So uh, I just want to know who made those. That's all I want to know. It's, Dude, we interviewed Brian um, like, a, like I think a week after those billboards, after I found the billboards. He said he has no clue. It doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah, I guess because he graduated. If it <laughs> were Connor Cook, I would guarantee it'd be his dad. Oh, yeah. It would have been his dad. Uh, Probably with a little more um, uh, Republican slant, but it would have been his dad. Um, and I love you, Connor Cook, in case you're listening. Bring uh, Connor Cook back. Remember Connor Cook? Coach. Bring back the legend. Remember Connor Cook? Remember? Um, I love I love how we've been doing the remember bit and then like we're posting videos like, man, thirty years ago today and it's the Rose Bowl <laughs> stop, <laughs> and people are like, what the hell is the joke? It was seven years ago. <laughs> Going, yeah, that's the point, dude. It's just, it's just a joke. MSC um, posting the game winning field goal against Ohio State, <laughs> saying five years ago today in the middle of July. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the joke is that there is no joke it's just it's it's funny because it's so stupid that's my favorite type of humor on twitter it's like just making people so mad that you got a date completely wrong on that um because we all remember where we were for that moment but um so we're gonna switch to basketball for a sec not long he who shall not be named we're gonna name him again for this episode amani bates uh, something interesting is has happened. He posted a uh, as Matt Sheehan. Matt Sheehan, um, if you at Sheehan underscore Sports on Twitter, he loves recruits who give out their top whatever schools. So whenever you see those, please quote tweet at him. He absolutely loves them. Um, so we happened to see a top eight for Monty Bates, which I didn't think was going to happen. To be honest, I thought he was just going to. Knowing how weird the whole situation, I thought he was just going to commit somewhere. Um, he's named a final eight. He has five colleges on there. He has Memphis. Let's be honest. We know why. Um, Miami, Baylor, which I get. National champions. They're, they're going to be good again. Oregon, not bad. And yours truly, Michigan State. I mean, that's my God, that's the Jeremy Renner gift. Don't give me hope. That is. And I know he has some issues supposedly like he's kind of a diva, but my God, if he committed, I'd be like, Hey, welcome back, pal. You know, I I would, but he also has, before we talk about more, he also has the G league, Australia's NBL and the overtime elite league, which is started by Kevin Ollie of UConn, former UConn coach. Um, am I dumb in thinking that, I mean, he's not, he's going pro, right? I, yeah, I think he is, but he's going pro, but 
Yeah. The initial emotions that I felt when I saw it, just the fact that he had decommitted and he had reopened his recruitment, I thought we were done. Yeah. And now it's and now it's Michael Corleone. It's just when I thought I was out, they pulled <laughs> me back in. And it's like, oh my gosh, if there's even a like the fact that he put us on there is just that sliver of hope that it's like uh, I uh, I'm gonna reference another thing. It's uh, it's in uh, just watched all of Ted Lasso this weekend. It's the hope that kills you. I gotta watch it. It's so good. It's great. I had fun watching Ted Lasso. I mean, Sudeikis is born to play that role. But it's the hope that kills you. He put this that he put us right back on there, and it might be. I think it might be an ode to the fact that he said that he sh- is going to show loyalty back to the program, like they've showed him loyalty since he was like fourteen or something like that. Right. But I, I, you know, our our friend Justin Thind, he said that uh, Iman, he doesn't expect Imani to come to Michigan State. They're not actively recruiting him. He said no. he put a crystal ball in for him to go pro. So. You never know. I, we, don't have anybody, we don't have anybody committed in 2022. It's why not happen. try to? Why not try to convince the guy to come back? I know. I'm right you there know? with you. We should. We should try. Just try to get him to be a one and done. Just say, just get us one. Just show him nil. Show him what we get. Get everyone you fucking can. Like get Pizza House. Get Rick's. Get all, get anyone you can think of. Get Groovy Donuts. Get, get cash. Get. get Get just drop bags of cash. Get Matt Ishbia. Say get the alums, you know man. Get magic. Get Draymond. What say what is overtime offering? What is G League offering? We'll double it. End of discussion. Imani will come. But like knowing how weird this whole thing is and knowing how weird his dad is, I wouldn't be surprised. Like one little inkling of me is like, watch, out of nowhere, he's just gonna say, I'm coming to MSU. Like the first time they said they had no idea he was going to commit. It would be funny if he was just like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm going to go to MSU. And they're like, uh, all right, sounds good. Here's your Jersey. Sounds good. The only thing we know is that nobody knows. And that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it almost makes the speculating kind of, kind of moot where you're just like, well, right. what cool do it. If you're going to do it, if not, like we're busy, <laughs> got other shit to worry. It's football season. I mean, and we got to figure out the 2022 class if you're not committing. So, yeah, he needs he he'll I'm sure he'll commit out of the blue. Like it'll be like a Sunday night or something. Like, yeah, and maybe it is where I've heard people say that they think it's a publicity stunt hmm. where he's just decommitting to recommit and then just to have more hype on the hype on the name because when he committed, everyone stopped it. talking about it. That's true because that's true because like Chet Holmgren had had taken over that recruitment. Like he had, like after money committed to Michigan State, that's right. He just kind of dropped off. Nobody was paying attention to him anymore. So, so I mean, and what with the money, what isn't a publicity stunt? I mean, yeah. EJ. I mean, it's it's really it's really EJ Bates that just needs that spotlight. He is hungry for the publicity because, and this is my opinion. I'm just speculating. You know, I don't know. I don't know how how much weight this holds, but I think Imani wanted to play at Michigan State. I do too. How much he loved Michigan State, how much he loved Tom Izzo, I really think his dad influenced a lot of the decision to try to go elsewhere. I think he just wanted him to go pro. So, I mean, if it was his decision, he probably wouldn't have ever decommitted. But that's but it, it is a good point that that when he did commit, 
he had kind of stopped, you know, he, 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 he stopped getting all the headlines. He stopped getting called, you right. know, generational and all that stuff. Jalen like, Duran overtook him in the rankings. Like and, I, I could see that it, that when he committed last late last June, it could have been Elgin wanted, wanted the spotlight for his new prep school. That's and, what we all thought. And then at the end, it, like we didn't think that because remember he, they were talking about Ipsy prep all the time. And then all of a sudden Jay Harris is like, Monty, you have something to announce, don't you? And then it's like, Oh my God, he's coming here. It's like, yeah, it's a college decision. He's like, by the way, I'm committing to MSU. <laughs> we were all so sweet like, then. Huh? We were all so good then <laughs> yeah. when we had our season. And I was like, yeah, oh. we were we were thinking because I remember there was speculation that X was coming back too. And it was like, man, this is feeling good. Then I don't know. I, I hope he comes. I'm not one of those people who's like, because I've been on the Facebook group for Michigan State recruiting. Good lord, those boomers do not want him. It's like so if LeBron James came and said I wanted to play for MSU, you go, no thanks. Sorry. I'll put up with the divaness for a year if it means they can have a really good season. Like if you if you could pair him with Max Christie, and I'm sure him and Jay Nakins can work it out. Uh, no one, no one logically is saying no to that. Yeah, you can make it work. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I think we're just talking to talk. But since he posted MSU on there, we had to talk about it. Yeah, there. It, it is literally that. Don't give me hope that Jeremy Renner with the sick fade is <laughs> like. Oh, don't do it. Like, I think, oh, did, did you post that, Carter? Did you post the Don't Give Me Hope gift or someone? I did. did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I'm like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> like, you, you asshole. It was uh, Sheehan posting a, the Ben Affleck pictures <laughs> of him smoking that, a cigar. It's like, he has a pack. Here we go. Once um, again. But we'll see. I'm, I would bet. I bet within two weeks he's committing somewhere. He's going to make his decision. Or maybe, I'm thinking G League Ignite. I'm putting in a Crystal Carter Landis. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Crystal Carter. He's, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say overtime league. I think they're going to get a big name. I think he's going to be the premier face for it. They're going to open up the bank for him. That's what Jalen Green did. Yeah, I think I think he's going to overtime. What do you think, Matt? Uh, yeah, I think he's going pro. Any of them, he's not going to a school. If he if he goes to a school, it is MSU though. I will say that it will be. Yeah, and I think he's even said that, or some someone has said that. I'm, well, I've heard so much Amani spin and or not spin, but Amani like speculation, speculation that I just forget where it comes from anymore. And now I'm just like whatever, just let him do. <laughs> just so we can do what you're gonna do, man. So I can you play here, you don't whatever. Season. We can have yeah. another Final Four banner for for being in Amani's Final Four. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> so speaking of basketball, uh, we Carter and I totally forgot to talk about last week. The Milwaukee Bucks did some freaking work on the Suns. They were down 2-0, and stupid me, I should have placed a bet on the Bucks to sweep the rest of the series. But, you know, say la vie. Um, you know, one in Rome. Uh, um, the Bucks, Giannis just goes on one of the most absurd runs I've seen out of a player he wins the not he and he gets the thing is he gets great support from his guys like drew holiday chris middleton um among others you know bobby portis had some moments uh pat Connaughton had some moments 
they win the NBA championship four games to two over the Phoenix Suns. And I couldn't, I think Chris Paul is kind of a dick and he did so much shit in this series to make me realize why I dislike him. Cause I was rooting for him at first. Like, okay, he's been here long enough. Let's give him his ring. But then it's like, Giannis just said, Nope, that's mine. And he put up what 50 and 17 in game six, 50 and 14 and five steals. I think uh, my God, like, and he can't five even blocks, shoot that well. <laughs> Imagine if he could shoot for awesome. He'd be he'd put up 75 points a game. Um, did you see there was a bar that did a special for free shots every free throw that Giannis made? <laughs> it was the game he made like 18, like seven. Oh, geez. oh boy. <laughs> that's like uh that's like the guy who did the wheel or furniture giveaways for Houston and the Astros won the World Series. And he had he had to cash out like he took out an insurance policy, but like millions of dollars of furniture. It's it was crazy. Um, like I want your guys' thoughts on the finals. Like Matt, what did you did you pay attention to it or did you just kind of like box score watch, kind of like what I did? <clears throat> well, I'm glad you asked me, Lucas, because I'm not a huge NBA fan, <laughs> and uh, I. Um, really only paid attention because I have a friend who is a huge Phoenix Suns fan. Um, she actually used to work for the Suns, but she, um, she was very, very into the Suns and forced uh, a lot of us to watch the Suns throughout the series. So when they were up two, and uh, during one moment, someone had told her like Bucks and six when they weren't even playing the Bucks yet. And she had this big meltdown to all of us that we didn't care about. Um, when they were, the Suns are up by two, I kept pointing out that the Bucks could still win in six um, for the next four games. <laughs> and that was, you know, you, you don't like to, to root against your friends, but sometimes, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta kick the beehive to see how many bees come out. And, uh, and a lot of bees came out because I sent a lot of texts about, about that. And that was, that was about as much as I did for the, for the Bucks, other than wishing I, I took the train up to Milwaukee, but um like, I don't think I would have Milwaukee survived. Luke, uh, Nick Henkel, go up to Milwaukee and celebrate with your own kind. Yeah, <laughs> I could. I could go up and just buy a uh, buy random buck shit and walk around. I did that. I did do that for the Capitals when they won. I was in DC for work, so I uh, bought cool. a cap shirt and walked around. And got drunk. It was great. But Car- Carter, you're the NBA guru among us. Like, what were your thoughts on the finals and and what what uh, what went down? I mean, Giannis has kind of established himself as an all-time great already, I think. I mean, he's done everything he can do by the age of 26. He's got two MVPs, uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Now he has a title and a Finals MVP. He's only 26. I mean, the guy – and he's still – I still think he's not all the way tapped into what he could be, like you said about him consistently getting a jump shot. I mean, I think we saw a little bit more of a taste of it this this postseason running. He's starting to figure out – uh, how to shoot those jumpers. It's it's taken a little while, but we're starting to see that from him. And the Bucks just I think that they made the right move. You know, they 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 mortgaged a couple picks. They sent off Bledsoe and got Drew Holiday, which was a good pick. You know, they they gave him a bunch of money. They gave Giannis that really big contract and they gave Chris Middleton a big contract. They said we are committed to these guys and you know we believe in them going forward. Middleton came up so clutch in every fourth quarter of of this uh, this whole playoff run, like sure. I think he had like the most fourth qu- fourth quarter points in a playoff run since like Michael Jordan or Kobe or something. It was like 
or him and like LeBron or something like that. It was yeah. some ridiculous, it was him and some other NBA legend. So it's like, they had a really good run. Like, obviously you can say like, Oh, the nets were injured or whatever, you know, but it, it, that happens every year. There's guys that are going to get hurt. You know, guys are going to get hurt. Teams are going to get lucky breaks. It's just how it goes in sports. So you can't say this is fake or whatever. Right. And the Suns won 51 games, I think. Yeah. In something the like that. Season. So they beat a damn good Suns team too. A team that was built well. Chris Paul and Devin Booker were playing well. DeAndre Ayton's starting to find his footing in the NBA. This was a this was a complete dominant performance from the Bucks all the way around after game two. And I honestly, I thought they were in trouble after game two. I was like, okay, the Suns have a ton of momentum. They just beat the Clippers. Um, they won those first two games uh, in pretty convincing fashion. So it was like, good luck. You know, the Bucs need to win these games at home. And then they did. And then they won two, the next two. They, and it was, it, it was, they were getting their ass kicked early in that game. Yeah, it was, it was, oh yeah, that's, that's true. They were, they were um, up 21 points after the first quarter. Yeah, it was nuts. I was like, okay. Phoenix, Phoenix kind of bounces back, but and it was, and the thing is, it was on the back of Giannis. Like people, people had kind of, I think, given up on the idea, myself included, uh, that Giannis could be a guy, you know, on a championship team. Like he could yeah. be a guy that could lead a team to a championship. I thought his style of play would always um, be a shortcoming. You know, if he couldn't create for himself, if teams are just going to wall up against him like in front of the rim in the basket, like the heat did to him, it was going to be over for him. And the way Mike Budenholzer coaches, they're going to live and die by the three and they're going to die by it. That was, that was my thought about the Bucks. Like I didn't see them as, as, as a championship team. And then Giannis just had what I think we can easily say. It was a legendary postseason. Run. Yeah. Even after, and, and this comes off of after he uh, nearly like tore his ACL or did something to his knee in Atlanta. Like, like if you see that thinking. He bent that thing all the way back. It looked like he was just done. And he comes back off of that and looks in, in just looks unstoppable, especially on that one play where he went up and blocked a DeAndre oh. Ayton lob. DeAndre Ayton's like 7-1. DeAndre Ayton's like 7-1. He went up and met it. Like, he's an insanely athletic player. You oh. know, I think he shut down – I think he shut down all the doubters of, of oh. him – of, yeah, of him not being that guy. So I, you know, you gotta give him, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tip your hat to him. You gotta give him all the props in the world. It was an incredible postseason run for Giannis, and it was just, it was an all-around great performance from the Bucks, and they deserved it all the way. Yeah, he shut up all the haters and losers, of which there are many. Like, there are many. Even me. I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't say I was a hater. I just wasn't I was a, a doubter. Yeah, I was a doubter. Um, but I really like me. the guys that stick with their team. Like, you know, well, Dame Lillard will probably get traded um, sooner rather than later. But, you know, I like that he's stuck around Portland for as long as he has. But, um, you know, it's going to be old news in probably a couple of days. But um, I like that Giannis has, has stayed in Milwaukee. Um, you know, I, I'm i always been partial to the the teams like the Pistons in 04. And, you know, yeah, you could rank them as one of the, probably the worst NBA champions of all time if you want. But – they went in there and kicked a super team's ass like up and down the court. And I, I just, you know, the Suns weren't a super team. I, I didn't care honestly who was going to win this series, but I was super, excuse me. I was super happy for Giannis because he seems like just the freaking most sincere, genuine guy. Like I've read, I read a story about like his rookie year where he 
was walking in Milwaukee with like a just a sport coat on and it was like freezing and snowing and someone gave him a ride. Yeah. Cause he was trying to wire all of his money to his, his parent or to his family in Greece. Mm-hmm. That's incredible that that dude does that. And yeah, he's freaking 26. We could see him for in his prime for like one other six, seven years at least, and probably see him in the league till he's almost 40. I mean, he's a bigger guy. So I don't know. I hope, I hope he stays healthy, but um, man, I, I, my God, when I saw the box score 50 points to close him out, yeah, like if he can develop a jump shot, holy Lord, he might be one of the most – he might be – he could be the most dominant player we've seen since Shaq if if he taps into his true potential because, I mean, Shaq in the early – late 90s or 2000s was – you know, the NBA wasn't ready for it. And this could be the introduction of – sure, Giannis has been here for like six years, but – now he's like, he's here. You know what I mean? He's ready. Um, and also shout out to him getting 50 chicken minis at Chick-fil-A. That's pretty great. Um, he really is just, yeah, he's a goofball. He really, I, yeah, he deserved, he deserved to win. He was, he's a, you're, you're absolutely right. He does seem like a super genuine guy. Nice guy, super funny guy. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, and the thing about Giannis and, and, and the thing about his loyalty is I think we could see him, if it's up to him, we we would see him in Milwaukee for the rest of his career. Yeah, because I don't think I don't think he wants to leave. I think he likes Milwaukee. You know, they just want a t- title. He probably thinks they can win more, and no reason to think they couldn't. Right. Um, I could see. I mean, if I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan, I'm happy. Like, if he ever decided to leave, I'd be like, "Hey, you did what you you did what you sought out to do. I'm not mad. Like, I'm bummed, but I'm not I'm not mad at you. So you can go. So like. Now, if he went to the Warriors someday, God, he's not. I don't think he's going to. I think that ship sailed. Um, but you remember, you remember that speculation, right? The yep. Warriors were going to make a trade for him, and mm-hmm. the Heat, the Heat were rumored to, to kick the tires on him, and mm-hmm. all this bull crap, and none of it happened. But I mean, it, it's just so. I'm so freaking happy for him and Chris Paul. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I don't care for him that much, and. I've always called him CP three to six weeks and um, I've just never been a big fan of him. I mean, it sucks that he lost the finals, but I mean, Phoenix should make a run back at it, but I kind of want to see what the Lakers are going to do because you know, LeBron, the GM is going to be all up and then ready to uh, trade whatever it takes to get like Dame or someone else. Like, you know, they'll make a run at someone who's not tradable, but um. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the Bucks can do. I, I hope they become a new dynasty with him. I'd love it just just because I like Giannis so much. And I've been to Milwaukee before. I can I can consider myself a Bucks fan, like <laughs> like Nick Hankel. So um, I'm very happy for my fellow Bucks fans with this championship. It's a great time for us. So we'll touch on the NBA draft, and we're going to do our draft, which is going to be exciting. It's going to be awesome. It's going to set up some heartbreak. Uh, <laughs> the NBA draft is in three days, Thursday night at probably eight o'clock or some bullshit. Uh, all the, you know, like the Pistons are not trading the number one pick. They are not. Cade Cunningham was spotted in Detroit a week ago. He's been at Tigers games. He's not going to be traded essentially. I, 
I, speculation I that's happening with it is stupid. You, that's how you I tell. I've never seen anything like it. That's how you tell what like it helps you filter out which like sports pundit are are just like talking to talk. Mm-hmm. You really filter them out because most everyone is. I mean, like I said, I don't follow the NBA, and I'm even like it's Kate Cunningham, and if it's not. That's really, really bad. They need, to, they need to explain a lot of that. And it might take a, it might have to be a whole press conference about why. Jalen Green wouldn't be bad, but anything but those two, I'd be pretty, I'd, I'd be nervous about what Troy Weaver's doing. I trust him as a Pistons fan, but yeah, it's, it's not like, look, if, if I, if I were a GM and I got the number one pick, no one is taking that bitch from me. <laughs> I'm holding on that like Dave Chappelle with his money in the Oprah skit. Like I am, no one is taking it, but you got to hear people out though. Because like if Houston called him throughout, I consider it something close to like the Matt Stafford trade type of deal. Like give me three first round picks and a good player. I'd probably do it because Houston's probably going to suck for a year or two. So chances of you getting a good draft pick out of it are pretty high. Um, similar to the Pistons getting the number two pick in 2003. Um, and I don't know what else is going on draft wise, but um, like we, like Carter and I said last week, Matt, we think Aaron Henry's going to be in the late thirties, early forties. Um, we don't have, I don't think there's anything else going on with that, but I did read Isaiah livers, his foot is healed and that's good. I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, I hated him as a Michigan player, but, I liked his game and it would have been nice to have him on MSU sometimes. And since he's a Michigan native, um, always had a little bit of a soft spot for him, but uh, I know people are saying that those two might get drafted pretty close. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the draft. I'm just, I'm just here to tell the folks that are listening. Don't worry. The number one pick isn't going anywhere. It's staying with us as a varsity legend said, Kate is coming home. So we don't have to worry about it, but I, what, whatever you guys want to talk about with the draft, then we'll move on. I'm not a Detroit sports fan. So yeah. I don't, you know, so I don't, I don't subscribe to the, um, the Detroit versus everybody mindset, <laughs> but there has been some very blatant attempts from NBA media since the Pistons won the lottery to get Cade Cunningham away from Detroit. I know. I'm not a Pistons fan, but it, it pisses me off. Detroit like it's like a freaking third world country. I, I don't understand. Like I've never seen this treatment of a number one overall pick. Like it should be, yes, Cade Cunningham is going to be the new face of the Detroit Pistons franchise, and there shouldn't be any debate about it. I haven't seen anything like this. Because, like, last year we didn't know who the Timberwolves were going to take. And we didn't know – like, we didn't know because it could have been – it could have been Anthony Edwards. It could have been LaMelo Ball. But this year it's Cade. It's very obvious it's Cade and the Pistons are going to make that pick. It seems very likely. But now we see this Woj thing today where it says the Pistons haven't decided on Cunningham, Jalen Green, or Evan Mobley. Oh, not Mobley. Please, God, no. And that's such a – I think it is a smokescreen, but just I don't understand why. Why did we not see this other – you know, for other number one picks? Like Zion was obviously the number one pick in 2019, but nobody talked about the Pelicans trying to trade out of it. Right. So I just don't I, – I guess I just don't get the push from the media to try to get Kate – like to get 
Kate away from Detroit or, or make it seem like it's not a foregone conclusion, which it is. So that's, that's, I just, I, I just made that observation and it's, it's, I don't understand. <laughs> I think because it's such a, an excuse the pun slam dunk that it's not a, it's like a non-story and there. And so then everyone is like, Oh, well, how do we make a story out of it and say that, Oh, it might not. What if, what if they trade it? What if they make more things? Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, it, it, and my, my opinion on the draft, again, not a big NBA guy, but um, I am, I, I was excited last year. I mean, I watched it to watch Cash's next get drafted. Um, and um, I was pumped to see Troy Weaver making moves. So I, that's if I watch it, uh, I mean, I'm going to watch to see the first pick, but I'll watch this, probably see a couple of the picks to see if there's some more wheeling and dealing he did. Cause he did a lot of wheeling and dealing last year. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see if he does the same um, this time, but. <sighs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, we could see a big trade run down. I don't know if there's any rumors about Dame going anywhere yet. I know the Knicks are like, the consensus but i mean who the hell knows honestly I, I he's gone but i just think it, it's probably gonna take a while to see where he goes i don't know when free agency starts anyway probably late august or something um a couple of actually next week oh correct august 2nd i think early august so i was close <laughs> month uh thank you for for that assist okay speaking of drafts we're, i just said one more thing go go ahead carter one more thing I have to plug myself. Um, I'm going live on Facebook on impact sports for the draft with my uh, podcast boys. If you ever, if you follow me on Twitter, you see that I post a, I do an NBA podcast called courtside convo impact sports at Michigan state. We're going live on Facebook for the draft. It's going to be fun. Come tune in if you want. Yeah. I'm shameless. As Aunt Wright says, shameless plug. <laughs> Carter Landis locker room, five minutes. That's yeah. right, Spotify Green Room. <laughs> oh yeah, Spotify Green Room. Um, yeah, I'll I'll plug that at the beginning of the pod too. I'm gonna make an I'm gonna make an intro. It's gonna be a surprise intro. Um, do I get Do I get a plug? Yeah, you yes. can plug yourself. Yeah. All right. What no, do I don't want to plug anything right now. I was saying at the <laughs> beginning, you can just make something up. Yeah, I'll plug you guys on there, and I'll plug the uh, the uh, Spotify Green Room. And I'll plug you. You're wait. You're gonna be on Spotify Green Room. We're going to be on Facebook Live. Facebook Live. Okay, I'm sorry. I heard you, but <laughs> as soon as I just thought of Ant Wright and I just – that meatball just threw me for a loop. Um, <laughs> Facebook Live. I'm going to write that down. Carter. That's about it. Facebook Live. Thursday. Okay. So, speaking of drafts, we're going to do a draft. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about the, the, the conference realignment, but I think we'll save that for another week because it's not going anywhere anytime. And we might get some more info coming out in the next couple weeks. We, as sports fans, love to talk about the what-ifs. And there's been a couple that have been on my mind lately. And there was one that I finally watched for the first time. And it pissed me off to the point of doing a draft. And to talk about the heartbreak, it's like a big group therapy session here at Bacon Wire. Um, so our it's our top five personal sports team what-ifs. So what if this play went differently? What would the butterfly effect be, you know? What if something happened in this game? What would it mean for their future? Um, so we'll, I'm not going to do an automated draft thing. I mean, we can 
we can steal each other's picks if we want. I know Carter, you're pretty much an Atlanta guy, so I think you're safe. Um, Matt and I, I think we might have some crossing over, but I've got enough in my head to I think we can be different. But um, yeah, I wrote down like six. So okay. um, I'll let we'll let Matt go first, then Carter, then me. Does that work? Sure. We'll do snake draft. So Matt, you're up. First overall pick. Oh, okay. First overall pick. Um, it, Take the one everyone's thinking is the Notre Dame uh, penalty uh, pass interference calls. Um, I mean, that's just a huge, huge ass what if, because uh, that could that sends MSU a really probably the best MSU team to the national title. And that was a team that when they figured out how to score on you, they did not stop doing that. Yeah. That that sucked. I mean, we didn't think much of it at the I don't think much of that game at the time because, you know, Coach D still put Connor Cook in. Yeah. Or Maxwell in to close that game out. So we didn't know what the hell the season was going to be. But then, of course, they go on a monster run after that. They don't lose a game. And, yeah, we could have been – we could have been the playoff. We could have been – Could have been contenders. Yeah. Carter? I I figured – one of you was going to use that one, so that's not one of the MSU ones I picked. I think the first one, this this lives in my brain every single day, and I haven't stopped thinking about it for the last four years. Um, as a lot of people know, I am an Atlanta Falcons fan, so I did suffer through Super Bowl 51. What if Devontae Freeman picks up the block on Dante Hightower when it, there was eight and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they were up 28 to 12 at that point? Uh, if Devontae Freeman picks up that block, on Dante Hightower, Matt Ryan has more time to throw, and he's got a wide open Aldrick Robinson in the end zone, and he would have made that throw for the touchdown because that was his MVP year. He was clicking on everything, and at that point, that puts the game at probably thirty-five to twelve with under eight minutes to go. It's over. And the Atlanta Falcons, you know, they blow leads and everything. I think they would have been a little bit safer with that one because I think New England had started to build that momentum at that point. Like that was the complete shift. That was where it shifted. You know, and I, and I could have gone with a lot of different Falcons things from just that play. What if Robert Alford picks off the play on the Edelman catch? Remember when he, like, caught it nearly on the ground? Yeah. When it was 28 to 20. What if Vic Beasley strip sacks Tom Brady in the end zone? Uh, it, what if Jake Matthews doesn't have a holding call after the insane Julio catch gets him in the field goal range? There were so many things that went wrong. And but I think that the thing that just completely turned the tide, pun intended, Dante Hightower is a is a crimson tide guy. But um, the the strip sack from Dante Hightower is what changed everything. Is because Freeman completely missed picking up the blitz. Man, I was rooting so hard for the Falcons in that game, and I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize as well as for bringing it up. But when it was 28 to three, I'm just sitting there. I was watching a movie theater in my hometown. I'm like. Oh my God, this is great. I, I felt right there with you guys, like not to the point of, you know, still how it hurts today, but like, I, <laughs> I'm going to bring up Tom Brady later. So yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we both have something in common there. Um, my first overall pick is it's going right now. Um, it's the 2019 Super Bowl. Whatever the hell it was, Super Bowl was, I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's ten to three, New England. It's it's a barn burner. It is a blow. It is just an offensive 
masterpiece of a game from both sides. Uh, the Patriots just scored a rushing touchdown. I think it was Sony Michelle. I don't know who the who the hell it was. I don't care. It's, it all went away. But I watched on YouTube just now. So Jared Goff is driving down the field. Sean McVay is putting together a decent drive. And I'm sitting in my basement like, is this it? Is this the moment? Like, can, can they, can we go to overtime? Like, just get me to overtime. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to tie this game with about four minutes and change left. Um, They get to about the 28 yard line and uh, Jared Goff throws a pass to, I think it was Brandon Cook. He went to Brandon Cooks twice. First time Cooks drops it. He had it and it fell through his hands. He gets broken up. Second time they run the almost exact same play. And uh, I think it was Dante Hightower who, or, or Stefan Gilmore. He, Stefan Gilmore, right? Yeah. Stefan Gilmore picks it off easy. Like Belichick is sitting there on the sidelines, pick it off, pick it off. It was still 10 to three, but the game's over at that point. The Rams lost the Super Bowl. Yours truly threw the remote uh, in the couch and uh, did not cry. Uh, I repeat, I did not cry. No, I didn't cry. I just. <laughs> I just threw the remote on the couch and like we had my in-laws over and I'm like, good night. <laughs> I just went to bed. I was so mad. Like I was just like, wow, I thought they had it. So is that a normal reaction for you, Lucas, is that you, uh, when a game sucks enough, you'll just go to bed. No, that, I feel that like that's hurt. not the first time you said like, I was, I watched a game. I was mad. So I went to bed. That hurt, man. And of course it was late at night too. And I had to work early in the morning, but like, um, and I had to go to work, and there was a lady there who was a Patriots fan. So I'm like, oh, man, this is going to suck so hard. And I came in, and I was clearly like, do not mess with me. And she's like, really good game last night, hon. And she's very she's very nice. So I'm like, <laughs> and just, like, laugh, like, like a hangover. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I was so pissed. But um, that's going to stick with me for a while now. Uh, we have a lot of Stafford haters in our uh, amidst all of a sudden. So I won't speak on it, but if he can, I think Matt Stafford doesn't throw that interception. I know he's not the greatest quarterback, but man, I, you know, that would have had a big butterfly effect because if Goff wins that Super Bowl, he's not traded. Right. He sticks it out with him and Stafford probably retires in the next three, four years as a lion. Um, so that's my number one, Jared Goff getting picked off by Stefan Gilmore to end the Super Bowl. And I think it's me again. So <sighs> I got my list here. Um, I was at the 2010 final four. Um, I really thought that was it. Carter and I spoke about it last week. Kayla Lucas got hurt, but I still thought they could win the national championship. Cause I looked at Duke. I'm like, that's the, I'm like, what the hell is Duke doing here? And, I thought that was the most beatable Duke team of, of my lifetime. And um, Butler, I honestly underestimated them. They played great defense. And sure, there was a foul that should have been called at the end, um, which I'll never forget. I was there for it. I saw it. Um, that was probably the worst walk home to my – drive home to my hotel in a, in a sporting event. But um, it's Kalen Lucas being hurt after the Maryland game or during the Maryland game, he tore his Achilles like right before halftime. MSU was up pretty big in that game. And then uh, good old Grievous Vasquez 
like just help just this massive comeback. They're up by one, and then Corey Lucius hits the iconic three-pointer, and Lucius goes on a tear to get them to the final four. But um, yeah, that one's gonna stick with me forever, especially since I was there and in in Indianapolis, you know, where Butler plays, and you had to deal with a ton of Purdue and Indiana fans wearing Butler shirts the whole night. Yeah. That crowd was basically like almost all Butler. Now I, I thought about not going to the national title game, but I did go and I wish, I really wish Gordon Hayward hit that shot because that would have been like one of those moments you see with your kids 20 years from now. And I'd be like, Hey, I was right there, man. But uh, yeah, that's my number two is Kalen Lucas getting hurt because they probably won the national championship. So I think it's back to Matt or back to Carter, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to bring up something when you said like you had, when you, you had to deal with Patriots fans the next day. Um, I was in high school when the, when the Falcons blew the Super Bowl. I was, you know, I was upset of course, but I, you know, I wasn't like, all, you know, pissed off or anything like that. <laughs> people were like approaching me like a member of my family died. It was so funny. People were like, oh, I'm so sorry about that, man. I'm like, all right, go on guys. Um, my next one is, uh, we'll go to the other Atlanta sports teams, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, what if J.R. Smith doesn't go nuclear against them in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals? Um, so that was the year, that was 2015. That was when, uh, that was when the Hawks had won 60 games. Uh, and they were the one seed in the East. They had, they, they, they were known as playing as like such a cohesive unit. They had a start, they had a player of the month in the month of January. Uh, was the entire starting five. It was Jeff Teague, Kyle Korver, Damari Carroll, Paul Millsap, and Al Horford. Um, and this was a team, you know, they, they beat the Nets in the first round, then they beat the Wizards, and then they had the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. And they were, I, I, I can't really remember if they were contending really well, like they were going back and forth with that LeBron Cavs team, or if they were um, winning that game. But it was like the second quarter on, J.R. Smith went for some ridiculous amount of points, but the guy was hitting shots with like two defenders on him. He was like turning around, like from corner threes, just burying every three. It, it was it was insane, you know. And I was like, how, like the guy, like the guy had turned the sliders up on two K to just make every single three. Yeah, I'm trying to find the exact numbers, but if they that. were, yeah, he had. He made eight threes and scored 28 points in that game. Obviously behind, a, you know, LeBron had 31, of course. But J.R. Smith, as we know, was like a streaky guy. He went eight of 12 from three and had 28 points. And and J.R. Smith, like, he, he's a good shooter, but he's super inconsistent. But the but the times he was on was always against Atlanta because he did it the next year when they played them in the in the playoffs too. That guy just kind of owns my soul. So And the thing is, I think if, if – he doesn't go nuclear. They have a shot at winning that game, and they probably don't get swept. Maybe they even win a game or two. You know, so I I think that they were completely capable. If they had could have stayed healthy as well, they they could have gone to the NBA finals. Probably would have lost to Golden State, but you never know. Huh? Yeah, I remember that team. That was a really good Atlanta team too. Like I thought they were going to the finals just because I didn't like LeBron. I'm learning so much about being an Atlanta. <laughs> it's not fun. I don't recommend it. Matt, did you what, used to did you used to live in Atlanta or I have family there. Okay. I used to live there for like six months. <laughs> what 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 oh. you got? Uh six overall pick, Matt. Ooh, okay. Actually, while <laughs> while while you were talking, uh 
someone texted me because I said, I'm on a podcast right now. I can't talk. And they said, what is that? The football bacon one? I was like, yeah, it's close enough. But, uh, that's the one. I'll change yep, that's the one. So shout out, shout out to Claire on that. But um, so this, I'm going to start getting into some hot, some hot takes. Um, so uh, this one is the, um, I, I did a little research on this one. Um, MSU beats Nebraska, not a hot one, but everyone would, would take that. MSU goes uh, undefeated in their regular season, okay. which was likely looking at the records of the other teams, put them, um, I would say it could be argued they could make the number one spot going into the college football playoff, Ooh. playing number four, Oklahoma, potentially beating them or at least scoring points. And maybe Clemson and Alabama tucker themselves out. And we got a shot to a natty. Um, looking at the records, uh, Alabama was two going into that because they had one loss. And Clemson had only beat a number 14, I think. Um, yeah, it looks like Clemson beat a – oh, I lost it, but I had it. Well, they didn't have a bit. They didn't have a better record. They did not have wins over Ohio State. They did not have uh, over a number four Ohio State, a number nine Iowa. Um, basically, as many top ten wins as Michigan State does that entire season. I think they have three. So I would say it puts yeah. them in a much better spot to not get uh, throttled by Alabama and have our Owen thirty eight uh, friends all trashing uh, the Spartans, but instead. We are uh, cruising into the college football playoff. Um, and then we talk about my least favorite ride back to a hotel it was actually after the Bama game, uh, which I paid money to go to. Um, but uh, yeah, so then I wouldn't have had that either. <laughs> and uh, oh. yeah, that was a, that was a nightmare. But, that that um, game sucked. That Nebraska game was awful. And we got screwed in the end too. I was at both of those, both of the, both of the losses that year. I was at the Nebraska game, and I went to yeah. uh, I went to the Bama game. So it was really it was a really fun year for for old Maddie May. I'd much uh, rather get blown out than lose a close one. It hurts. I don't really remember the second half because every time one of our group got up, we came back with two tall boys, even if you didn't need them. So we were we were just. Um, cruising through beers there was like a pile you had to wade through yeah like to get out of the room msu went eight and oh in 2010 before getting shit pumped by iowa and then they went eight and oh before losing by one point to nebraska like it was just so weird to see that five years apart like the same exact week and that game pissed me off i screened in the car on the way home like not not like at anybody but i'm just like man i because you know you saw the Ohio State game looming, and I'm like, man, that was it. We blew our chance. Everyone knew Nebraska would be a trap out. game. Yeah, um, we yeah, it was. I mean, Nebraska fans kept trying to talk to me about it. I think I got kicked out of like three bars that night. <laughs> I was on a I was on a little bit of a tear. Um, the 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 last thing I remember was I was kicked out for stealing all the straws in one of the bars, except <laughs> one, and yelling that it was. <laughs> Going, that's the last straw. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. But uh, you know, what, what you got next? Since you're, you got the seventh pick too. Okay, next hot one. Um, Michigan. Hmm? Okay. Michigan loses 
to Michigan State in 2018. The team does not regress. They are just as good as they are in 2017, maybe even a little better, which they should have been. And their offense, we don't have injuries or whatnot, and they win. Jim Harbaugh is fired in 2018 because of a loss to Michigan State two years in a row. And I I stand by the belief that if he loses twice in a row to Michigan State, he is donezo. And I thought, and he was set up in 2017 to basically be uh, three out of four years losing to Michigan State and getting blown. He would have been uh, um, one and seven against rivals by the end of 2018. And going into 19, I think he would have, they would have either looked to fire him or there would be a huge loss in momentum. Um, I like that. That's spicy. Yeah, that was one. I mean, even before that, that game had happened, I was saying, uh, I was like, that's a nail in a coffin game. That's a nail game. Um, so anyway. Okay. Carter. That's an interesting one because Michigan State definitely could have – they had opportunities to win that game. Um, oh, yeah. I think Daryl Stewart – I think Daryl Stewart dropped a wide-open ball on third down. Yep, yep. Uh, I was – uh, Yeah, then Felton Davis got hurt, and that basically killed him. Um, well, so, yeah, I think they, they definitely could have had chances to win that game if a couple uh, breaks go their way. So, um, I don't know if you guys are Tigers fans, so I have a Tigers-related one. I – I know what it is, but go ahead. I think I know. I could be wrong. I have a what if what if Justin Verlander doesn't get homered off of three times by Pablo Sandoval in Game One of the World Series? Ooh! Oh my God! Thank. Ugh. Because that cuts Ugh. down a couple runs. They won that game nine to three, I think. I don't remember how many RBIs Pablo Sandoval was responsible for. I was like thirteen years old, so. I just remember JV getting taken deep three or no, it wasn't no JD JV got taken deep two times. I think it was out Albuquerque who got hit the third time off of Pablo Sandoval. But that was like, I think if you don't give up those homers, you could stick in that game and the momentum shifts. Right. Cause that Tigers team was insane in 2012. That was triple crown. Miggy, Justin Verlander was good. Scherzer, you know, they had top oh. to bottom hitting Prince Fielder. And they got shut out for two of the four games in that sweep. That was over after game two, in my opinion. It was. I, there was no. I. You mean it's still like, it's not a series until the away team wins a halt wins a game. But like, man, I was so down after those first two games. I'm like, this this shit's over. Like it's a formality. They're gonna win even if it's five or we got six. Embarrassed. Like, Completely outmatched. Man. What did you yeah, What did like, you think mine was gonna be? Uh, I'll uh, I'll get into it. Uh, you am I, Do you want me to go, or do we want to talk about it more? Were you gonna Were you gonna say what what it was? I was gonna say okay. The 2012 team was really good, yeah. but they barely got in the division. They barely won the division. The White Sox were on their ass the whole year. That's true. They were a good team. Obviously, if you get to World Series, you're a good team. That's but, true. Um, but tw- you know, Miggy was amazing in 2012. You know, like you said, Triple Crown winner, but. I would contend that his 2013 season was better. It was. That was the best he's ever been. Like that was mm-hmm. when people ask how, what, what a great MVP season is. Uh, I don't like Mike that Trump, right there. I'll say Mike Trout, but then I'll go look at 2013 Miguel Cabrera. That is one of the best seasons you will ever see. He was a monster. And that 2013 team, I legit thought they were going to win the world. Series. Ah, that's a battle. I, I thought they were going to win the World Series, and 
they won game one in Boston. And I'm like, yeah. oh boy, you know, the Vince McMahon gif, like he's sitting, he's got his feet up and I'm like, okay. And then when they're up late in the, uh, like, I think it was the eighth inning when they're up in the eighth inning game two, I'm like, oh, all right. And then the bases are loaded. Big Poppy comes up, the best designated hitter of all time. And uh, freaking Joaquin Benoit throws an absolute meatball down the, pardon my language, folks, fucking middle of the plate. I could see that coming. I was at my parent, my mom's house in uh, South Mich- Southwest Michigan. I was, I think I was on vacation or something. And I'm watching it and I just, I got this sinking feeling in my gut like, oh shit, they pulled um, Sanchez. I think Sanchez was a game two pitcher. They pulled him. Or no, it was Sanchez. Yeah, because Scherzer won game one. It was Sanchez. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and, you know, the crowd just rally and Big Poppy just bombs that thing. And it sucks because Tory Hunter falls over the fence and that stupid ass cop goes, hey, yeah. Doesn't even check to see if the dude might have broken his neck. Yeah. Um, that's not an issue with police. It's just like that guy I thought fucked up there. But um, yeah, it's it's the it's the big poppy home run because that completely changed the series. They, they did they win another game? I think they might have won one more game. They won one more. It was a six yeah, game they, series. They won one at Comerica, but I think they were down three to one. So I think, yeah, that yeah. That, as soon as that home run happened, I mean, you still have home field advantage going into game uh, three, but that was just like the perfect opportunity to get up one nut or two all on the number one, uh, the best record in baseball. And you can't do it. That one still hurts and it will hurt until God forbid someday the tigers get one. So that's my three. Um, my fourth is going to be um, 2009, the Stanley cup finals, uh, red wings, penguins. That one really, that one really hurts to talk about um, the very end. That sucks. Um, but game two, um, the Red Wings and Penguins did not like each other, and they were getting into a massive fight at the end of game one. And Avenji Malkin, who I think was better than Sidney Crosby in those Cup series, he got a he was he was instigating fights, and by NHL rule that is called the instigator penalty. And if you get that in the playoffs, you're supposed to be suspended the next game. He got assessed the instigator penalty after game two, like right at the very end. Red Wings blew him out. I think it was like five to one or five to two or something. And, you know, the Red Wings are up 2 0. And I'm like, wow, if they do this right, Avenji Malkin's gone for game three. They could go up 3 nothing and wrap this thing up pretty quickly. Not so fast, my friend. Uh, we all know what happened. Uh, Penguins forced a game seven. They win two to one. And, uh, yeah, 20, 21 year old Lucas was not a happy camper that night. Um, I hit the Jaeger pretty hard after that game. But I always wonder if Avenging Malkin did get the penalty, like he like like the NHL rules say, um, what would have happened? I think the Red Wings would have gone up 3 0 in the cup finals and cruised to victory, cruised to a repeat. And maybe the rebuild is is delayed for a couple of years. Who knows? But that that's my Man, that one still haunts me. And I put it lower on the list because I believe in Steve Eiserman so much that it will – I think it's going to go away. I think he's going to lift the cup. But um, that's what I got. So I think it's back to Carter. All right, Maddie touched on this one a little bit already. 
uh, but I'm going to focus on it. And it's uh, what if Connor Cook doesn't throw the interception right before the half in the Bama game? That because uh, it was ten, it was ten nothing at that point, so it was completely oh. in, it was completely in reach. That game was so if, in the half Cook if Connor Cook doesn't throw that pick, we get into the end zone. It's ten seven at half. You're feeling pretty good about it because I personally believe that they put Michigan State at three to be a more favorable matchup for Alabama at two because they probably should have been four. Would they beat Clemson? I don't know, but it was it was it was it was easy pickets for for Alabama. Mel Tucker, cornerback coach. What's that? Well, yeah, Mel Tucker was a cornerback coach. Yeah, he was. Um. But I think that you have momentum going into half. Did they get the ball in the second half of that game? Or was it Alabama? Um, I honestly don't remember, but either way, you stopped, have, if, if you get in the end zone and it's a 10-7 game at half, even if it's a 10-3 game at half, you have some momentum. You're playing within Alabama. You're in a one-score game. Either way, if you kick a field goal or if you if you get in the end zone. So I think that the that interception was a huge killer because they were because they were driving down the field at that point. And then in the second half, Alabama blew it wide open. And that yeah. was just really, you know, that was obviously really disappointing. It was separation. So, just score a field goal. God, that was all I was yelling for most of that. Ugh. I think it would have changed the tides if he doesn't throw a pick. And that's I I think about that sometimes. Yeah, I mean he had his he had a short the sore shoulder and all that, but he could have still made some throws and I don't fault him for that game entirely. The, I mean, you saw Derek Henry just absolutely demolish, um, who did he stiff arm? Was it Darian Harris? Shalit Calhoun. Shalit, yeah. He, Shalit Calhoun. I mean, that's Toss all you had to see from that game to, to realize that we were in for a world of hurt, but yeah, I think about that too. Cause they were right near the goal line. Yeah. Throws that back shoulder throw and it's picked off. Like, Man, this is. Do you fun. remember that that game too? Was they were all talking about how Derrick Henry is going to run the game, and it was wild because if you talk to Nick Saban afterwards when they asked him about it, he he says we figured they would plan for Derrick Henry on the run, so we focused on screen passes the whole time for Oof. practice, and that's what we were all like, oh no, they're going to pass the whole time when we were there, and we're like, we're like, okay, we can stop the run, we're prepped, and it was like, nope. They're not even going to use Derrick Henry until later in the game when they had all the time in the world. They, they got demolished. Screen passes. They got demolished by Jake Coker. Yeah, of all people, the guy. The guy had like three incompletions. Yeah, he. We all thought in that game like we're going to beat up Jake Coker, and it's like nope. Stop Derrick Henry, and you don't have to worry about Jake Coker. That was my thought process, but nope. Yeah, that was everyone thinking that's, about that. And then it, uh, that's the teacher dominating the student for sure. Yeah. yeah. So that was. I know what you're gonna do, so I'm gonna do the opposite. You you've got the final. You've got the. You have two left, Matt. So you're you're the. You have your fourth and fifth fifth picks back to back. Ooh. Okay. Um, I think in the same vein, um, I guess, I, I guess my picks are going to be a lot of Jim Harbaugh vendettas, but, um, the same vein, Michigan doesn't cancel the game last year Ooh. to follow the, uh, 19. the Mike Valeni, uh, um, reckless, uh, speculation of, uh, Ohio state hangs a hundred on them, um, this year or, you know, last year, um, in 2020, um, and that 
screws up the optics of Michigan football enough that Jim Harbaugh gets fired uh, and sends uh, Michigan football into a tailspin mid-pandemic, not and similar to uh, MSU, kind of putting them in the same um, shitty position that we were in a year before, where all of a sudden now uh, they have to come up with a coach uh, in this kind of COVID environment and lost the fan base, that kind of thing. Uh, that's the speculation I have on that is that I do think they would have lost or, or he would have been fired if he lost two more games. Um, and then my last one, which I don't really have a lot of speculation on, um, but I th- think it would be better is that instead of firing Jim Caldwell, the lions fire Bob Quinn. Mm-hmm. And I think the only speculation or reward that comes out of that one is that um, whatever GM sticks with Jim Caldwell, we don't get Matt Patricia. So we don't get the regression that happened or the toxic environment. And the lions actually maybe get somewhere closer to winning a playoff or staying in a, in a position that when a new GM and they fire Jim Caldwell later, they bring in a less, uh, maybe they bring in Dan Campbell, but they have a team that is less in the dumps and like a garbage fire as, as bad as the lions they, they got. Oh. Like my my father in law is a huge Lions fan. Like it is his number one team, and he's always like, "Well, we need to get rid of Caldwell." I'm like, "Why? Did you really get an upgrade with Matt Patricia?" Like, because when they hire Matt Patricia, I'm like, "Name one Belichick assistant who's been crazy successful." Bill O'Brien's the closest, but that's not crazy successful. I'm like, people are trying to be Bill Belichick, but you can't be him, and. I mean, it showed pretty pretty quickly that it wasn't going to work. I, I I was with you. I think the line. Well, I don't know if you truly believe that, but I think they should have kept Caldwell for a couple more years. Yeah, I I um, the thing too is like when I was seeing um, like the Matt Patricia hate start showing up on like the ticket and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I see. Valeni actually does just want every Lions coach fired. But then when it really started to hit the fan where he was talking about like, Oh, he made the best. Like I, I've said this too, uh, and not to get too off topic regarding Dan Campbell's a lot of my you know Chicago friends will ask me like, what do I think about him and all the kneecap fighting and shit. I, I think that I would rather have a coach that sucks and people like, and that I like versus a coach that sucks that the league hates everyone hates the press hates and he's bad. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I might as well lose with the guy that's funny doing the doing the quotes and the guy that's like a douche that I I don't like. I, mean, I don't know. So I, 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 I take it with that. But I, I just think preventing the Matt Patricia hire would have done more good than anything um, for the yeah, franchise. I, I agree with that. I think the Patricia hire set the lines back at least three Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Set them back before Caldwell. Like – you could argue Patricia was the reason Stafford got traded. Like, like not directly, but you could argue that his, the damage he did on the organization in terms of trying to build a winner and just completely bottoming out made Stafford want to leave that much quicker. Yeah. No matter where Stafford was going to go. I think, I think after last season, no matter what Stafford was gone and obviously he did go, but um, yeah, I thought they should have kept Caldwell. I was just always nervous about Patricia and I hated being right because I hate, I hate seeing my, my father-in-law like 
you know, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of our bacon wire guys are Lions fans. So like, I hate, I hate seeing you guys like mad, but like at the same time, it's like, mm, you know, it kind of saw it coming, but um, all right, Carter, what's your final pick, my friend? My last one is uh, my most recent is the, is the, is the most recent one on here. Um, and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, try to contain myself. So I'm going to get mad because it still stinks. <laughs> what if Matt Mooney doesn't go nuclear in the final four game for Texas tech? Uh, I was a full belief that after Kenny Goins beats Duke with the buzzer beater and we get to the final four, we take down the evil Duke empire, that it was an absolute foregone conclusion that they were going to walk to a national championship. And I thought that it just, I thought they were a team of destiny. I, it looked so well in hand. Like it just seemed like, you know, the, the whole perception was, Oh yeah, Michigan state's definitely going to win it all after they just beat Duke. But here comes this random ass dude on Texas tech because they had NBA talent and they had other talented guys. You could argue he wasn't, you know, he was maybe the least, the worst starting player in their starting line because they had Jared Culver who Michigan state did a pretty good job of containing. I think uh, a, a, a duo of, of Aaron Henry and Matt McQuaid both did a really good job of locking down Jared Culver. And it was a really back and forth game. I think for a lot of that game, it was, it was, it was tougher. I remember I watched the game again recently and it was tougher either team to get the lid off the basket at first, but eventually Michigan state started to do it more. Yeah. Yeah. Texas tech had a good defense, but I think that the way Michigan state was playing in that series and the way that their play style was, they had every opportunity to win that game. But here comes this random ass motherfucker who had not had a performance like that ever just is pulling up from nearly half court. He's pulling up with defenders all over him, draped all over him, knocks down probably what three or four threes. And like three of them looked impossible. And Texas tech goes up by what? I think like 12 or 13 at that point, I was like, Jesus, this isn't, you know, it's, it's not a reach anymore. And of course, and, and, and I know that Michigan state had chipped away and, and had made it interesting towards the end. Uh, but then Matt McQuaid, that's another thing you could have said. What if Matt McQuaid gets that three and ties the game? Uh, they probably end up, I think they probably end up winning. And uh, yeah, we're that's, that's my number five. All right. I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. Oh, it's okay. I'll we can still talk about it, but I figured we just weave into it. Yeah, go I'm ahead. Gonna, go I'm going to spin it differently than just saying Matt McQuaid hits the corner three. Yeah. I'm going to say that Auburn wins the first game, that they beat Virginia. Like, they probably should have. Yeah. Um, like, they missed a couple of shots at the very end. I just watched the highlights to make sure I was right. But um, I'm going to go, like, some alternate universe where Auburn holds off Virginia because they played Virginia's game and be- almost beat them. And um, – Bruce Pearl and Tom Izzo meet in the national title game. And I think Matt McQuaid is okay. So we'll say Auburn wins, you know, 62 to 61, say Matt McQuaid hits that corner three to tie the game at 53. I think if he hits that, you, that rejuvenates the whole team. And I think Cassius and X make a defensive stand along with Henry and um, Goins and McQuaid. I think they make a defensive stand the other end, hit some free throws we get to the national title game and I think we, I really wish we would have played Auburn and um, I think we fucking kill him. 
I don't think that's yeah. a close game. Auburn got robbed, if you remember that, too. Yeah. yeah. Somebody they, double they dribbled. Got, they got fully robbed in that game. And I, I realized this is – I'm starting to have this really, like, sinking, awful feeling because I just realized that all these what-if games, I've been to, like, most of them, and it's fucking awful to think about now that I – because I was at also the Texas Tech game. <laughs> and, um, yeah, um, I, I remember that being at that Final Four, and the Auburn fans left immediately after the game. Yeah. Like, most, like, most of the MSU fans stuck around Minneapolis to watch the finals um because cause you usually get like tickets in a pair of seeing yeah. both games um or all the games and um the auburn fans immediately were gone it was like they were there that night and then they were gone the msu fans are still there and everyone else was there it was just auburn fans everywhere and then nowhere they all just dipped. well was- they probably sold their tickets to virginia fans who were going to fly into the title game and probably made a pretty good profit that's fair, but they were. I had they people were offering much. me crazy money for my Butler Duke tickets. Oh yeah, that's the other way. You can you can make a lot of money if you go to like even those or not make a lot of money, but you can get cheap tickets if you are willing to go to like a game on a Sunday and stuff right. like that. You can you can fly in and um, I, I went to the the 2010 um, MSU. I think it was the Elite Eight game where they played uh, Tennessee, Northern Iowa. Oh, the Sweet 16 game was Tennessee. Or, or, or the Sweet Iowa. 16 game. Sorry, I went to the Sweet 16 game. Yeah. Um, and that, that was all like Tennessee fans. Um, there, was, there was whichever fans had just lost going into that game were trying to sell me tickets for like 10 bucks because they're like, listen, I just, I don't want these. And you have MSU gear on. So like you can have them for next weekend. I'm like, I'm good. I got to fly back. I have school. But um, anyway, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I, so I, I fully believe that, look, we we can say 2010 was Izzo's second title. 2014 was pretty good, a pretty good shot. The Probably one of the most complete teams he's ever had. And I'm going to say 2016 because that was still a damn good team that ran into – you play that game nine times out of ten, there's no way that happens again. I, I believe that law in my heart. It's been enough time for me to move on from it. They, that, nine that times out of ten, never nine times again. out of 50. I mean, Giddy Potts and where the fuck, what's his nuts? I mean, they could not, every time MSU made it, made it close within five points, boom, three, boom, three. So, uh, you know, you're not, that that game will not be duplicated ever again. um, If MSU is in the same situation now, you know, in that 2019 year, they were struggling against uh, Bradley or no, was it Bradley? Yeah, Bradley. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here in the, in the basement going, this cannot happen again. But then they, oh my you know, God. they on. after that game, it felt pretty comfortable going into Duke. And you, you know, we all felt after that, like you said, Carter, after that Duke game, I'm on freaking cloud nine. Like my wife comes home from a trip with, with her family and Goins hits the three. And I do like the Larry David gif where I just like pass out on the floor. Like, uh, is this happening? And then it did happen. And, you know, like that whole week, I'm like, some guys at work that are Michigan fans, they were like, so national championship is your expectation, right? I'm like, yeah, it is. It's time. Izzo, Izzo gets his second title, and he is forever cemented, and MSU becomes a true blue blood. Like, they are a blue blood undeniably. And, boy, yeah, Matt Mooney, I, I was so mad. <laughs> like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, I'm just sitting there screaming at the TV, who the fuck is this guy? And then 
you know, they made that run at the end. And, oh, man, I remember getting up when Matt McQuaid was wide open for that three. And, man, when that hit the rim, that's, you know, you knew it was over. Like, that yeah. was it. That, that hurt so bad. I teared up that night. And, you know, I try not I try not to get emotional over sports, but um, that really felt like that was the shot because – you know, we underestimated Texas Tech. I did. I think I think a lot of us did in some ways. And like, you know, I listened to Will on Locked On uh, when it was just him, and he's like, "Look, this is a really good Texas Tech team. They're going to give us a lot of fits." And I'm sitting there going, "Okay, whatever, Will. Like, you know anything?" <laughs> and then the whole game, I'm hearing Will's voice in my head, like, "Oh shit, we." Sh- Right. We didn't listen. We didn't. I just don't think it's it's. I hate the narrative that that was a choke job. I think that Texas Tech team was really good, and they, they were, were really just, good, and they were hot, and they came in hot, and then they cho- they if anything they choked in the natty. Oh, but they, they had that shit won. Yeah, if anything, they choked in the natty. But I don't think MSU choked against uh, Texas Tech. They didn't play their best but they played well and it just mooney freaking like drained everything it was and every time he had the ball that you're like oh my god and he kind of looked i i do remember him kind of looking like brad davidson <laughs> so it, it pissed me off extra where i was like dude this I, why do we get keep getting beat by guys who look like regular size root i will i will say the last thing you know, we're, wrap, we're gonna wrap it up like the, but the buzzed head. If Langford is healthy, I think he wins them that game because Texas Tech's game plan was basically when you were going down low, you were going to get swarmed. Yep. And they were they daring did. our guys to make wide open shots, and we just could not hit. And I think if Cash didn't have to do all the work to go down low and could could dish it to Langford, who, who was a walking bucket before he got hurt, I think that game's – relatively easy win like i i mean i would say probably a five to ten point win with him because he he makes it so much easier on guys but uh you know and what made me really nervous about that game was i watched a chris beard interview and i like chris beard i think he's awesome he's tremendous i wouldn't mind him it's not going to happen anymore but i wouldn't mind him replacing his someday because he was like saying look we, I modeled my program after Tom Izzo. Like I value defense over everything. I love Michigan state and it sucks to play them. And I'm like, Oh shit, you're going to fucking beat us. Aren't you? You're going to work us. And like, they sure, did. Yeah, they just swore. Like that was like a swarming defense. And that was an insane defense. It was suffocating. Cassius was getting bruised up, man. He was getting, he didn't killed. have a great night. I mean, that, that, that hurt for him, I, and I felt for those guys because he deserved to win it. But then, you know, we, our biggest win. what if could have been twenty twenty. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we we technically were national champions, you know, according to the uh, simulations. So, like three different ones, three different ones. Um, so I'm just going to recap them real quick for the audience, then we're going to go. Matt, his list is number one, 2013 Notre Dame MSU game. MSU wins. Who knows? 14-0 wins the national championship, at least hangs with Florida State. Number two, MSU goes undefeated in 2015. 
gets number one seed and wins the whole damn thing. Um, number three, Michigan State beats Michigan in 2018. MSU goes on to win, what, 10 games, you'd say? Yeah. Yeah, we'll say 10 since it's going to be an improvement over the year before. And uh, Harbaugh is fired. Number four, Michigan doesn't cancel the 2020 OSU game due to coward 19. Uh, <laughs> gets blown out. Harbaugh is fired during a pandemic, which parallels MSU earlier in the year. Uh, and then number five, Lions fire Bob Quinn instead of Jim Caldwell. Avoid the black hole known as Matt Patricia, and the Lions stay consistent for a few more years. Sounds right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I had to type them, so I'm trying to summarize them. So, Carter, number one, Devontae Freeman picks up the block on Dante Hightower. Matt Ryan throws a touchdown pass. Super Bowl 51 is over. Uh, number two, J.R. Smith doesn't go off against Atlanta in the 2015 Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Hawks possibly win the series or at least make it close, right? Something like that. Hawks contend. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just <laughs> – No, you're right. Uh, what if Justin Verlander doesn't get destroyed by the Giants in game one of the 2012 World Series? Uh, number four, Connor Cook doesn't throw the interception before halftime. MSU has a shot to compete in the Cotton Bowl against Bama. And number five, Matt Mooney doesn't go off against MSU. Spartans cruise to the national title game. Before I go into mine, I was going to say, if we beat Texas Tech, I was very confident beating Virginia because Izzo knows how to play Bennett ball. And I would have complete faith in Cassius and X ready to roll. 100%. I, I, was, I was looking at the Virginia game. Especially with how good Aaron Henry was getting. Um, okay, my, me, Lucas. My name is Lucas, for those who don't know. Um, number one, Jared Goff doesn't throw a pick to Stephon Gilmore, hits Brandon Cooks and they tie Super Bowl 43 with four minutes left. Number two, Cam Lucas doesn't get hurt in the 2010 tournament. Spartans possibly win the national championship. Or I'm going to say, fuck it, they'll win the national championship. Number three, Joaquin Benoit actually strikes out Big Poppy. Tigers win game two of the ALCS and go on to the World Series. Number four, Evgeny, I said his name wrong, Evgeny Malkin, Gets the one-game instigator penalty, misses game three of the 9 Cup Finals. The Red Wings win the series easily. <sighs> Number five, Matt McQuaid hits the corner three to tie the game at 53-all Texas Tech. Auburn doesn't get robbed. MSU beats Auburn to win the 2019 national title. Pretty – that was, a, I mean, fun, but, like, to look back on certain – That parts. was depressing. <laughs> it's good to relive your pain. It's like that a – was... It's like a group oh. therapy session. Um, yeah, that was a good draft. I think next week we're going to do whoever's on with me. I want to do um, dream conference teams. So we're going to, you know, sp going off the Oklahoma, Texas news. So, which I'm sure next week we'll find out more about stuff. Yeah. Um, we might be, we might be hearing announcement about Kansas soon. Who knows? Um, so, that's all we got for this week. It's a very long pod, so I apologize for everybody, but thanks for sticking with us. Matt, Carter, thank you for coming on with me. Always a good time. Always a pleasure. Um, and, fellas, we're out. Go green. Go white. Go white.